I stay with faith. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 27 and 28, you'll find these words. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Amen? Well, you may be seated. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This is going to be our fifth sermon in this series that we've entitled, entitled simply, Astonished at His Teaching. Astonished at his teaching. And we've said that the word astonished means to be struck with amazement, to throw into wonderment, to be shocked, confounded, or perplexed. And sometimes Jesus said things that just cause people to marvel. And our text scripture is the clothing of Jesus' powerful uh, Sermon on the Mount, you know, and it's well renowned that this was his inaugural sermon where he was preaching about the kingdom. And he was primarily preaching to his disciples but there were a multitude of people who had been following him, and so they were privy to this conversation. So keep that in mind, that Jesus has been talking to his disciples, and I hope you have been kind of following this sermon all the way through, because as this being the inaugural sermon, this sermon serves as a standard by which Jesus' disciples should serve, uh, strive to live up to, as well as how they should live here in the earth. Now, in this sermon, Jesus sometimes used poetic, metaphoric, and hyperbolic language to create a strong impression or to invoke a strong feeling to make his point, thereby saying some things that astonished or amazed some of those who were listening. Now, last week we saw that Jesus turned from addressing the teaching of the Pharisees and the religious leaders to dealing with their hypocritical deeds. Jesus taught on three pillars of the religious piety, when he taught about benevolent giving, prayer, and fasting. And these are duties that we should be devoted to today as we serve the Lord uh, in the earth. So today, we're going to transition now in, in, in chapter uh, 6. We're going to transition, and we're going to see that today Jesus started teaching about possessions and worry. So he made two thoughts in this message today. He started teaching them about possessions, material possession. You know, and if we have this new level of righteousness that Jesus has been teaching about, and it's in our lives, then we got to have a proper attitude when it comes to stuff, material wealth. And, 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 and the thing that Jesus tried to get them to see is that he wasn't magnifying poverty. He wasn't saying that every Christian needs to be poor and broke and can't get their bills paid. He, he, he wasn't criticizing those who earned their living legitimately. But what the point that he was trying to make is that you can't focus on what God has blessed you with to the point that it keeps you from using it to glorify God. See, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.17, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. So therefore, it's not wrong to possess things. It's wrong, and you've heard me say this before, 
for things to possess you. Don't let your things and your thirst for material things hinder you and kill your thirst for spiritual things. Both things need to be in your life. You need material things in your life, but at the same time, you need to make sure that you got your spiritual blessings and your spiritual basis covered. So Jesus was trying to stress this point. The thing I want you to kind of hold on to today, if you don't remember anything else, is that Jesus is really trying to get us to set our priorities straight. Because at the end of this, we're going to see one of the most powerful scriptures that we all remember out of this Sermon on the Mount about seeking first the kingdom. But when we, before we get there, Jesus got to say that, that you can't place anything above God. That's his whole point. Left, that you can't place anything above God. Not money, not people, not family. You must place God at the very top of the pyramid. I mean, he got to be number one. And if you make him number one, everybody else in the lower levels of the pyramid ought to be blessed because you made God first. But sometimes we get caught up and we think that making God first in our lives means that other people got to suffer from us making that decision. But Jesus is trying to get us to see no matter how you've been blessed, no matter how much wealth you got or what you own in your possession, clothes-wise, he's saying, look, if you're not using those things to store up blessings and store up treasures in heaven, then they ain't going to do you that much good here on earth. Because at the end of the day, when you check out, you can't take none of it with you. So he's saying now the proper place for your stuff. Drive a nice car, wear fine clothes if God is blessing. If you got an education and got a good job and you can afford the best of the best of the best, knock yourself out. But just make sure you save some of your best for God first. Amen. And so that's the point that Jesus was trying to make there. I don't want to, you know, kill nobody's spirit today because I know when we start talking about material possession, you know, some of us, we got it. We got some. A Man, everything that Jesus is going to put on this list, I'm pretty sure most of y'all got plenty of clothes. I ain't sure all y'all got plenty of money, but you probably got enough to live off. You ain't broke. Let me read this. Y'all in Matthew chapter 6, let's look at verse 19. New Living Translation. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth. In other words, don't hoard what God has blessed you with. Because at the end of the day, as he says to Paul said to Timothy, you know, you came here with nothing, you're going to leave here with nothing. So he's saying, don't go through your life just storing up stuff here on earth. There's nothing wrong with making preparation by leaving and your inheritance to your children. But after you have put aside what you're going to give to your children, you got them squared away, then God expects you to use your blessing to be a blessing and not to store it up and hard it and just look at it and, and go, praise the Lord. And then you don't wake up in the morning. See, I, I read something that Warren Buffett said. He said after he took care of his children, he wanted to make sure that he died broke. That's someone who understands the principle that God blessed him to be a blessing. And, and so, you know, Warren got gazillion times more than we got. So that means he's going to bless a lot of people. 
after he gave his children their millions, and now he'll, you know, he'll billionaire many times over. So what I'm trying to tell you, now, God is saying we got to have that same attitude when it comes to possession, or we will lose sight of him and always focus on our put. Look at this. He says, don't, some of y'all getting real quiet right here. We, we, we ain't going to take up a one offering. You know, we ain't, I, ain't, I ain't trying to guilt y'all to this Jesus inaugural teaching, and he's talking about don't store up treasures here on earth. He says, where moth eat them, and rust destroy them, and where thieves break in and steal them. He says, now look, back then people measured their wealth by the clothes that they wore. If you could change clothes every day, you was considered wealthy during that time. You know, if you had some gold and some silver, you was considered wealthy. If you had some land, and, and, and even if you had some oils, oils was very expensive. Let you remember the lady with the alabaster box and oil? So if you had any of those things, people considered you wealthy. And I know if we put ourselves in that, some of y'all got fine oils. Some of us wear fine clothes. Some of us live in nice houses. Back then, the thieves could just come through the mud walls and break in and steal your stuff. Now y'all well protected. You got cameras, video, you got alarms on everything. I mean, the cat run across your grass, you know exactly. But he says that even if you put all your faith and your trust in those things, somebody will figure out how to break in your house. Somebody going to figure out how to break in your bank account. Amen. <laughs> They got hackers out there right now. So what if you got hacked while you sitting in here praising the Lord, giving him a thousand hallelujah, Wayne, and somebody going to hack you? Bam. And you can say, man, no worry. God got that. But some people, if they get hacked, they lose it. They lose their mind. They forget that they got insurance on They just lose their So that let me know that when you lose your mind, your mind tell me where your heart is. <laughs> Look at verse 20. He says, Store your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where moth and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, the way you store things in heaven is to do good here on earth. Whenever you do a good deed, you're storing up. You know, just like when, when, when uh, in, in, in uh, Cornelius, when the Bible said Cornelius' arms came up before God. As a memorial, he was doing good. He was giving alms to the poor. He was doing good in earth. And everything that he did on earth went up to heaven and registered in his name. You know, Jesus told a rich young ruler, hey, go and sell some of the stuff you got and give to the... So what I'm trying to tell you, when you do something to help the poor, you're storing up treasures in heaven. When you do something to help the orphans and the widows, you're storing up treasures in heaven. And when you do those things to help people who are less fortunate than you are, you are storing up treasures in heaven, and no devil can steal what you have stored up in heaven. And look at verse 21. This is where he strikes us at, Major. He says this, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. I thought I heard somebody say on the men's study today, 
If you just show me your money trail, I'll show you what you love. If I could just look at some of y'all transactions, Wayne, you know, what you, when they're taking it in, debiting it out and all that, if I can just look at your transaction for a week or two, I'll see in those transactions what you, what you love. Because wherever you put your money, that's where you put your, your heart. And so God ain't got no problem with you putting your money in fine things. It's just that you got to remember him. Amen. And see, that's important because Jesus said, hey, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. That's a true statement. Whatever you like, you spend money on. Y'all don't want to hear that today. I know, I know this ain't the, this ain't a, you know, Independence Day message. Ain't no, ain't gonna be no firecracker. Jesus was trying to teach something. <laughs> he said, look, just look at that. And if there's an imbalance in where you put your treasure, and there's nothing going towards things and storing up treasure in heaven for you, then it's a possibility you love your treasure more than you love the things of things of God. He says, now look, in verse 22, see, we can be enslaved by the possessions that we have and by our desires for things because it get in our heart. So in verse 22, he says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? He said, now look, this passage is not just talking about your natural eye because your natural eye let light into your body because you can see. But this passage is also talking about your mind's eye. In other words, I can have each one of you to close your eyes right now and tell you to imagine somebody's picture. Your mind will bring that picture to your, um, into your forefront even though your eyes are closed. So what he's saying is that when your mind is dark and your mind is on everything else other than God, when your mind is on your money and your money is on your mind, your mind ain't on God. And if you're focused on him, on that, and not on God, then he's now going to say you've got double vision. You're trying to focus on two things at the same time, and one of them is going to be out of focus, and probably both of them. So it's no different than me standing up here taking a panoramic view. I can see most of y'all right now, but I ain't focused on nobody. So everybody is kind of like a blur. But if I decide to just focus on Major, I can look at him and I can see his gray beard, I see his glasses, I can see everything, but I don't see nothing else over here because I don't want nothing over there to distract me while I'm focusing in on my blessing, which is God. I got to stay focused on the things of God. He's trying to tell us we cannot have a divided focus and serve him at the same time. You can't be in love with something else and love him at the same time. He said, because when your mind's eye is focused on the world and the things of the world, you're going to be more caught up with that than you are going to be caught up with him. 
So he said, now when you start to believe in that the thing that you see from a worldly standpoint is more important to you than the things of God, then how deep is the darkness that you're in? You deep when you see worldly things as being more important to you than the things of God. And he's saying that dog. Now look, I'm not beating you up. Jesus wasn't beating him up. He was just trying, he was talking to his disciples and trying to get them to see that they had to have a concentrated focus on the things of God in order for them to carry out their assignment. They couldn't be distracted. They couldn't be looking for all the other things like the Pharisees were because the Pharisees was covetous. And that's what he was coming against, their covetousness. And they were more concerned about their possessions than they were about the things of God. There are some preachers out there today that's more concerned about their possessions than they are about the things of God. They measure their value to God based upon how much stuff they got. And God is not concerned with our new cars, our new houses, and all that. Man, look here. It ain't no testimony because you got a new house. You may want to say, well, I prayed for it and God gave me a house. But look here. There's some folks pray every day and don't get houses. There's some folks that don't pray at all and walk in and get a house. So what I'm trying to tell you, don't measure your worth to God based upon how much you got and what you can see. Because if you can see it, somebody else who don't even know God can get that. Your faith got to be in things that you... Y'all helping me out today. Your faith got to be in things that you can't see. Because we start putting our faith in stuff that we can't see. We get upset when somebody else come and get the same. I, I thought that was a unique original. I probably I bought the only one. And look at him. He got on the same pair of shoes I bought. Lord, have mercy. She don't wear that same dress that I got. I mean, no, the same day I wore my dress. See, that means your focus is on the wrong. You're more concerned about you being unique and having a one of a kind then realize that you need a one-of-a-kind God and not a one-of-a-kind dress up as you. So Jesus was trying to get them to focus. He said, man, your eye got to be focused because your eye and the mind's eye is going to let this word into your spirit. And if that is good, your whole body will be good. But he said, if it's bad, man, your mind is going to carry you into some dark places. You know, I heard the brothers talking about that today. You know, if you're not careful, you know, you can go into some dark places with your mind. We learned that a couple weeks ago when Jesus said, man, you got to take care of them thoughts. Because if you don't, they'll take you some places. But if your mind is on God and on the things of God, then you can take captive those thoughts when your mind starts painting pictures before you. Now look at this. So after he talks about that and making that comparison and making that uh, contrast about their materialism and greed and covetousness, then we think that he make a, a quick change, but he really tied this together when he's talking about in verse 24. He says, now look, no one can serve two masters. Well, that verse makes sense now that you understand what he was talking about in the previous verses. 
He was saying, look, you can't be concentrating on your worldly worth and your worldly goods and your worldly treasures and try to concentrate on God at the same time. You can't serve your blessing instead of using your blessing. Because when you start worshiping your blessing, then you're going to take your focus off God. So therefore, he's saying, no matter how you try to do it, you can't serve two masters. For you will hate that word will is important because your serving and who you serve is determined by your will. It's your will that determines whether or not you want to serve God or whether you want to serve your stuff or whether you want to praise your stuff more than you praise your God. Yeah, you get happy you done bought something nice. I do, I do too, you know. But man, Wayne, sometimes I look in the closet and say, man, I got over 25 suits, and I, some of them I ain't worn two years, three years. Some of them I can't even get in. So what good are they? I'm just letting moth eat them up. So if I don't give them to somebody or put them up and let somebody have them, by the time I get ready to do it, they're going to be rot. So I got to do some inventory. If I know I ain't going to wear them no more, and some of them, you know, they tell me it's outdated now because they're kind of baggy leg and they ain't wearing bags no more. I'm just waiting for them to come back around. But if I can't, but, but if I, but, but if I can't get in them, Wayne, I need to gift them to somebody. Why should I sit down and look at something I, I ain't worn 10 years or two years or three years? Now, I ain't the only one. Cl- close your eyes right now and use your mind's eye. You ain't even got to be at home right now. You can just close your eyes and just do a panoramic of your closet. The Holy Spirit will be showing you all kinds of stuff. Stacked up on top of stuff. stuff you can't even find. You don't got bags. Kid one, we got bags now and we take all the air out of them. <laughs> so what Jesus is trying to get us to see, somebody got to walk out of here today and get rid of some of that stuff. Because you can't take it. You might as well be a blessing to somebody else. And if you bless somebody else and you need it, I believe God will get it back to you. Some of y'all laughing right there. I know that that's some actionable intelligence right there. That's something we can all do. We can go home, look in the closet. We can all look and say, yep, yep, got to go, got to go. So next week we can come to church and we have all that lined up here and people can just come in and shop. Be blessed. Right here at Strava. Because everybody done brought their excess and laid it over there. Some people dying to get into some designer clothes. And if you need more, God going to bless you with it. Amen. <laughs> so Jesus was trying to tell the disciples, hey man, y'all, got it. y'all may not be able to walk around with designer clothes all the time. You're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to make some sacrifices to follow me. And if you're going to follow me, you can't serve two. For you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You see how the word will keep popping up in there? So who you deserve is determined by your will. Then he says, you cannot serve both God and money. At the same time. Amen. Amen. 
And again, I've made it clear, God ain't got no problem with you having stuff. He just don't want your stuff to have you. And if you treasure it more than you treasure him, and if he make a demand, you know, I'm, I'm serious. Y'all think I'm playing when I told some of y'all to, let's do that drill one more time. See, I'm repeating this as a foot stumper. Close your eyes, take a panoramic shot of your closets and your storage room, and, and, and not, I'm, not, I'm not a chauvinist, but I, I would venture to say if the house got three closets, two of them is occupied by the lady. I'm, not, I'm just saying, I, I'm, in most cases, I, I'm just, I ain't picking at nobody. I'm just, just speaking as a, just think I'm, that's truthful. You know, most of them. You know, because things that brothers can do with just one or two, y'all like plenty. And God ain't got no problem with you having plenty, but it may be time for you to bless somebody else now. So let's do that drill one more time, Adrian. We just want this thing to be real to somebody. I, I want... I, I, ain't, I, just, I can see you, Adrian. I focus on you. That's the only reason I tell you that. But what I'm saying, Adrian, Zontel, you know, anybody, Kim, Kim, I mean, I see you smiling over there, but not, man. So, so we just saying, and brothers, we ain't living in poverty now. Amen. Close your eyes and let the Holy Spirit just point it out. Whatever your mind's eye is showing you. Come on, come on, come on. Don't fight the Spirit. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever your mind's eye is showing you, whatever your mind's eye is showing you, because if that eye be good, your whole body going to be good. If that eye be good, you're going to do. So, so now that your mind's eye have shown you some things, then when you get home, you're supposed to take action on what your eye showed you. Then you will be doing Y'all didn't like that too much. I know that. that wasn't in my notes, so I'm going to attribute that to the Spirit. It just popped up. So y'all know I wouldn't have sat down and wrote that in no notes. So that just happened. Amen? Now let's look at verse 25 through 34. Jesus followed his teaching about money and material wealth with a teaching about worry. I thought it was strange to follow up money and wealth with worry. But again, a lot of people worry about what they don't have. So he had to let them know that don't worry about some things that you don't have. You just got to trust that God can meet your needs. See, in this text, Jesus is not forbidding wise and prudent forethought about your life. But he did not want his disciples to worry or be overly concerned about food and clothing to the point that it took, their, took over their priorities. And all they did was think about food and clothing and what they're going to wear and what they're going to do. You know, he's saying, look, those are the basic needs. You already done prayed in the previous lesson, you know, give us this day our daily bread. So therefore, God knows what you need daily. So why are you worrying about your daily needs? He don't want them to be so caught up with their worrying about their daily needs that they forget to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, believing that when they do that, God will sustain them. And this, this is how he started that off in verse 25. He says, that is why, following up what he just said about serving two masters, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. 
We shouldn't have to worry about that. In, in, in that mind's eye picture that you took, let you know that ain't your worry. When you just took, you closed your eyes and took that picture, man, you say, no worries. No worries there. Ooh, no worries. <laughs> no, no worries. I, no, no worries. Oh, no, no worries. Oh, down there? Oh, no worries. No worries. No So what I'm trying to tell you, since you have no worries in that area, you're supposed to be a blessing to somebody who may have a. He says, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? So now he asks a question. He asks a series of questions in this passage. He says, man, your life got to be more important than food and clothes. He says, look at the birds. So Jesus was teaching outside, and he was saying to his disciples, just look around. Look at the birds. And, and, and even though we don't have birds in here, if you close your eyes, I can say, do you see that sparrow? Do you see that robin? Do you see that blackbird? And I guarantee you, your mind's eye will paint that picture. So Jesus said to them, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father, feed them. God has a natural order that he established when he created things. And then he understands how that order works, and the birds understand it too. They know that if they go out and hunt, God's going to provide for them. And so what we have got to see here is God is not telling us in this because he knows we have need of that you ain't supposed to use your education and go find your job. You pray about it, then you get up and start putting your resume in. These birds don't sit in the nest and look up to heaven and say, drop me some worms, God. Drop me some worms. No. The birds know that there's a worm out there somewhere. Because that's the order of things. And if I get out of this nest and go look, then God's going to meet my... So we got to understand that God will meet our needs, but we got to put forth the effort to do our part. You can't sit at home unemployed and talk about, I'm just waiting on the Lord to drop a job on me. No, you better go look through some ads. You better get you a newspaper. You better ride through Fort Walter Beach now and see all these help wanted signs. They got, who, it made a person like, I can't find no job. You lying. You ain't even looking for no job. Everywhere I ride now, I see hiring. Some places so definitely say, we'll start you off at $15 a. So what I'm trying to tell you, God can meet our needs, but he's expecting us to do our part. He said, now, even though the birds don't plant and they don't do any of those things, he asked this other question, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Wow, you ought to know the answer to that. Jesus didn't die for no bird. Amen. Amen. He died for you. So therefore, you are far more valuable to God than a bird. He said, now look, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Now that makes you think right there. That's one of those questions that's old. Man, if me worrying about this is not going to extend my life, 
Why am I spending all this time on it? Because chances are if I worry about it too, li- too long, it may shorten my life. Worrying about it too long and too hard may cause things to happen that don't necessarily need to happen. Somewhere in time, I've got to stop worrying and start trusting. I've got to stop worrying and start praying. Sometimes when you're worried about stuff, you need to be putting prayer in the place of your word. So he's saying, now, when you think about it like that, your word ain't going to extend your life not one day, not one minute, not one moment. Then why are you worried? Why? Not a single moment of your life is going to be extended because you. And then he says, and why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Then he kind of make a comparison so they can get some uh, 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 understanding. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Now, if you know anything about Solomon, Solomon was one of those guys that was what we would call opulent today. I mean, Solomon was so rich that he just, doorknobs was gold. Everything was gold. I mean, just read some of the, his story in Kings and, and, and the book of Chronicles what about Solomon. Solomon was so rich. He had so much stuff that when the queen came to see him, she said, wow. She almost passed out. Because she ain't seen nobody with so much opulent. I had to look that word up. That, you know, that ain't my normal vocabulary. But that major opulent means, boy, you got it like that. You know, we, we would consider uh, Elon Musk and Bill Gates. That, that got, folks that got it like. Got their own airplane. These guys finna go to space. In their own spaceship. Some of them bought their own island, Major. They just went out there and they got it like that. He said, now look, you consider Solomon and all that he had. It don't stack up to that lily over there that God created and that God is taking care of. Now that's something I need. See, but if your mind is on your stuff, that don't make no sense. You're going to tell me to look over there at that lily and that plant and I'm supposed to see all the beauty in it and don't see all this Gold over here, I'm supposed to look at that. Yes, you are, because your focus is on the things of God and not on the gold over here. You're going to leave. That's going to rust. That's going to taunt it. You're looking at something that's going to take you further. That's going to be storing up blessings for you in heaven. So, so he says it now. He says, and God, verse 30, and God is so wonderfully and wild. And, and, and so if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and are thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will, somebody say he will. He will certainly take care of you. So if you know God's going to take care of you and he got tomorrow under control, why are you worrying about tomorrow? Why are you worrying about things that you don't have when God says he will meet your needs, Charlie? Whatever you need, God said, I'll meet your need. If you put me first in your life, I can meet your needs and you don't have to worry about your needs. Then he tied your worry to your faith. Why do you have so little faith? Talk to his disciples. 
You guys follow me. You done left some things to follow me. We've been, I've been ta- going to take care of you. Make sure your needs are met. Then now why are you worrying about things that you don't have? Where is your... See, when we start worrying about our basic needs, it's almost like we don't trust God to meet our basic needs. And this ain't for none of y'all because most of y'all basic needs are met. This is an object lesson for you to take and help somebody else. But we can't worry about the basic things of life because God already know we have needs. The Bible said earlier, even before we ask, he already? No. So when we worry, we rob tomorrow. By worrying today. And, 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 and we rob tomorrow because we now take on tomorrow's issues today. Tomorrow going to take care of itself. So he's saying you need to be locked in and focus on today because if you start worrying about today and then worrying about tomorrow, then you will not live you won't live today. You, you won't live your best day today because you're worried about tomorrow. You won't live your best day today because you still hung up on yesterday, Wayne. Yesterday is gone. You might as well forget it. Learn from it, whether it was good or bad, but you need to leave yesterday as yesterday. And then tomorrow going to come, whether you're here or not, all you got is to... And Jesus said, you need to maximize. You got to win too. And you can't win today by worrying about what happened yesterday and worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow because then now you're going to end up dying too. So he said, now look. When we worry like that, Jesus looked at us as unbelievers. Look at verse 32. Well, let me read 31 again. He says, so don't worry about these things, what we will eat and what we will drink or what we will wear. Look at this. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows what you need. We can't let our mind be dominated with the same thoughts that folk that don't even know God mind are dominated with. They have a right to have their mind dominated by worldly things because they don't know God. But you know God and you know what he promised you, so therefore your mind should not be dominated by the same things that their mind. And when we start worrying and start acting just like the world, then that means our minds is not on the things of God and we no longer trust God like we should. And that's why when the world see us as Christians who say we got faith and we believe, and then we panic just like they panic and we act just like they act and we worry just like they worry, they go, what good is major's God? Major, act like I act. He worried about the same thing I'm worried about. And I don't even know his God. 
So now when Major come and try to introduce me to his God, I'm going to say, I don't need him. Man, you worrying with your God, I'm worrying without God. We both worry. I'm looking for a God that can help me get through some of these words. I'm looking for a God that can tell me that if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto me. And so therefore, that's why it's so important for us that we're going to witness to others. We can't effectively witness to other people if we worry more than they do. Word is not good for you. God already knows what you have need of. So look what he says, and this is probably the quoted script verse in this whole chapter, the one that people just pluck out, just pluck out. They just take it and pluck it out, put it on their lips. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And they forget about Jesus and say, you can't worry. You got to get up and go. You can't just believe it's going to be added unto you if you don't get up and go and find a job. I'm seeking God, but God tells me as I seek him, I got to be about his business. I got to be doing the thing that he would have me to do. I got to follow the natural order of things. And if I follow God's way of doing things, seeking him first, placing him first over my money, over my stuff, over my clothes, over my wardrobe, over, over my jewelry, over, over, over all the stuff that make us feel so worthy. Oh, God. You know, somebody gave me this years ago as a gift. And when they gave it to me, I was so happy to get this thing because it's heavy. I don't know how much gold it is, but it's pretty heavy. And I ain't asked them how much you paid for it, just gave it to me. And you know, I look at this thing and say, boy, I, sure want, I know gold is up now. When he gave me this, you know, when he gave me this, you know, 15 years ago, gold wasn't about, you know, Two, three hundred dollars down. Now gold up by eighteen hundred. Whoa. Whoa. Now look, if I'm tired of wearing it, I need to go convert it into something that I can use to bless somebody. Not going by a bigger and better one, because this is fine right here. I ain't going to convert it to go back and get one twice as big so bold and stand out three times as big as it is now. I can't take it. But when we seek first his way of doing things, and you know that God is concerned about those who are in need. You know that God is concerned, based on Matthew 25, that those who are less fortunate, and God has blessed you, then he expects you to be a blessing if you want to store up treasures in. It's easy to get caught up in the things because things separate us from everybody else. And it's a shame that sometimes people in the church measure their faith based upon what they have. And to think that because I have this and I have that and nobody else can have this, my faith must be bigger. No, no, no. You may just have a better job. I mean, you got a job that makes six figures. You ought to drive in something nice. Amen. 
So don't compare yourself with somebody who only make five figures. Because if we do that, then now our focus is not on God. Our focus is on our things, our stuff, our possessions. And our possessions are just tools that God can use to glorify him and to extend his kingdom here on earth. Jesus was teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. And he says, in the kingdom of God, if we seek him and his way of doing things, then God will add everything we need to our lives. So in the New Living says, verse 33, like this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Then he ends by saying, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't put the weight of tomorrow on today's load. Because when you put tomorrow's weight on the load that you're dealing with today, then the chances are it's going to wear you out today and you're not going to be able to enjoy. you got to win the day. you got to live this life. Jesus really telling us, you got to live one day at a... Yeah, you want to plan for your vacation next year. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But don't look. Don't skip all the way to next summer's vacation or either where you're going next week and forget about to... Because in reality, your life is but a, but a vapor. You can be here today, and you can be gone today. And so when we think like that and we prioritize our life like that, then things won't stress us out. Because we don't take on unnecessary worry and add it to to today's load. So some of y'all came in here with tomorrow's loads on your mind. You need to just praise God today. You got today. I mean, you need to praise God that you're able to praise him today. You need to just glorify him because you're able to do it today. And see, because you can do that today, then it take your mind off of what may happen tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to happen on its own. It's had its own trouble. Just give God something today. Make the best out of every day, one day at a time, and I guarantee you, your life will be fulfilled a whole lot better if you just concentrate on doing your best today. Today. Today is the day that you got promised right now. Tomorrow is not. Do your best for the Lord today. And if you do your best for the Lord today and seek his kingdom first, then whatever you need will be added unto you. Don't chase stuff. Chase God, and the stuff will come. If you chase God, then what you need is going to come. And I guarantee you, if you trust him, that will cut your worry level down a whole lot. Because I know there's medical studies out there that show you that worry hurt you, not help you. Yeah. 
Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Believing that all these things will be added unto us. Amen. Every head bow and every eye close. Every head bow and every eye close. Hallelujah. If you're online or in the church, we have several appeals that we want to extend to you right now. Our first appeal is for salvation. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to extend the opportunity for you to give your life to him. Everything for us starts with Jesus. We need him. He came, he died just for us. So therefore, if you have not made him Lord and Savior, if you're here, please raise your hand. If you're online, I just ask that you just send us a quick message or either call us at our number, 850-862-3899. Someone will take your call and we'll be glad to pray the prayer of salvation with you and gather some information if you so desire. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is in a personal way. And so therefore, we don't want to take for granted that everybody know Jesus. We want to give you an opportunity that you can acknowledge him and confess him as Lord. So if that's you, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. I see no hands raised, and I take it that all are saved. Then, for new members, if you're looking for a church home, if you're online and you're seeking a church, or if you're in the house and you're looking for a church home, you're not a member of Striving for Perfection Ministry, we extend the invitation to you. If you would, just please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Those of you online, again, if you would, just give us a call at the number that is posted, 862-3899, area code 850. We would love to hear from you if you're looking for a church home. I believe you'll be blessed, and we'll be blessed by having you as a member of this body. Then my third appeal is for prayer, our altar prayer time. We're going to ask you, if you would, just in your seat, just focus on the things of God that is pertaining to you right now. Again, you can use your mind's eye to cast your cares and your concerns to God. He already knows where your heart is. He already knows what you have need of. But he still expects us to come before him. And so therefore, we just now have you to pray in your own way and our prayer, general prayer for the congregation. Eternal God, our Father, we honor you and we give you thanks on today. God, we thank you for reminding us that we have to seek you first and not things. But if we seek you first, you'll provide for us the things that we need. God, I thank you for what you've done in our lives. I thank you for the many manifold blessings that you have bestowed upon us. But God, even in the spiritual realm, I thank you for the gifts that you've bestowed upon your people. God, I just pray that those who have been empowered will use the gift that you have blessed them with. And God, for those who have some worries and some concerns today, whatever they may be, God, whether they are medical concerns, God, whether they're financial concerns, God, whether they're relationship concerns, God, whatever those concerns are, God, right now we believe that you already know. But God, as they make their petitions unto you and they cry out to you, you said in your word that when the righteous cry out, you hear them and answer their prayer. And God, we come and we cast our cares on you because you care for us. God, and we trust you with all our worries, with all our anxieties, with all the things that trouble our minds, God, we cast them to you right now, God. We ask that you continue to, to bless us, continue to keep us, continue to sustain us. Touch our bodies, God. Touch our minds, God. Touch our soul and spirit, God. Touch our whole being, God, and let us know that we're here to serve you. And God, in all that we do on this earth, I pray that we would do things that will be laying up treasures for us in heaven. I pray that our gifts and our talents and our possessions are coming up as a memorial unto you 
So that God, when we have to stand before you on that day, you will say and acknowledge all the good that we've done in your name. I thank you for what you're going to do in advance, and I thank you for each and every person that's going to be obedient to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. amen. Say amen again.